previously on the Second Line edition of the Pro Hockey News Podcast. And welcome to this haven of hockey, this safety net of sports talk, this magical world that we like to call the Pro Hockey News Podcast. I'm doing great, Richard. I guess uh, you've been following the Merriam-Webster Twitter feed. I really hate the summer. I really do. I, I can't stand the heat. How do you pass the summer and how do you survive the off season? Oh, this year, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm actually in two bands now. Uh, we are now called the Crimson Lass. We're doing three, four songs a night on Tuesday night. So that's how I'm spending my off my off season this year. Uh, well, big kudos to Lou. Is a way he passes time in the summer is creating a band. I don't think many people just do that. Going to stand up for the pro summer people here. Um, for me, when it's nice out, I'm, I'm I'm a big just like just I have to be out in the nice weather. You know, if you're just going to like like a rooftop restaurant or if you're just even like you're hanging up on a porch or your deck, something like that. I'm all about when it's uh, when it's a nice day out. The you just feel so much better. Hello, hockey fans from around the world. I am Richard Cote, the producer of the Pro Hockey News podcast. It is the second line edition of the podcast this week, which means one thing. No, it is not that I am a lumberjack, and that's okay. It means I am joined by Lou Lafredo out in Albuquerque. Lou, how are you doing? I am doing great today, uh, Richard. Uh, glad to be back on the back on the podcast. <laughs> And of course, if we just gave you Lou Lafredo joining me, that would be good enough for you out there, our listeners. But no, here on the Pro Hockey News Podcast, we strive for better than just okay. That's why we brought in our Flyers beat writer and prospects expert, not to mention our mock draft guru, Brian Jennings out in Pennsylvania. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good about yourself. Uh, doing fantastic. Thanks for, for joining us. I believe this is, uh, Brian, this is your second appearance on the podcast. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, when we talked last time, uh, the women's hockey team had just won the gold medal. So that was not long after that, about a week or two after that. So that's the last time we talked. All right. Well, Hey, thanks for, for joining us again. Um, Listeners, as I have trained you so well at this point, you know what's coming at the top of the second line edition, and that is my irrelevant story of the week. This week, it has to do with an experience I had last weekend. Uh, That's why we had to tape our show a little early. Uh, I was out in Crested Butte, Colorado. I was afraid I wasn't going to have any internet connection. Thankfully, I did, so I was still able to stay in contact with the outside world. But it just got me thinking about just the sheer beauty of that area of Colorado. And if you haven't been to uh, to the Crested Butte area or to the Eagle County area of Colorado, do yourself a favor. Get out in that area. Just find a spot and, you know, pull the car off to the side of the road, sit down and just take in the sheer beauty because it is beautiful. I haven't been out in that area in years. In fact, I think the last time I went out there, I was climbing a couple of the 14ers there. And when I went out this time, it just reminded me that this, this is where I really like to be in Colorado. This is where, this is not so much my escape, but it was my happy place. Like I, I just could not stop smiling and just having good vibes the whole time I was there. It was fantastic. And it, it got me thinking, and I, I want to ask you guys, uh, I'm going to start with you, Lou. Do you have a happy place, and where is it? 
Um, you know what? I, uh, listening to you talk about um, Colorado, it's my place actually would be right here in New Mexico, down in the south, uh, White Sands National Monument. Um, it's uh, down by Alamogordo. It, it butts up against Holloman Air Force Base and uh, White Sands Missile Range. Um, but it is uh, you know, a, a gypsum field. And you go out into the middle of the sand dunes, and it is the quietest place on earth uh, for me. And uh, incredibly still. And it is a, 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 a just a terrific experience to go out sit on the sand and feel the coolness of the sand underneath you and just just sit there um i i know how you must feel up there um in your place um because uh, for me that's what white sands is it what really got me thinking about it outside of just the mountains that were just staring me in the face and quite honestly, begging me to climb them again, uh, was at night, because we were there for a wedding and we were at the, the ski resort, but at night, there were no city lights around. And this was fantastic, because I have not lived, uh, I, I, I have not lived in an area that's not a city in oh, almost 15 years. And so just to be outside and to be able to, to look up at the night sky and to see so many bright stars was, it, it was, um, it was my moment of zen. When I was out there, yeah. Um, yeah. Brian, do you have a happy place, and where is it? Um, I probably have two of them. One really shouldn't come as a shock, but it's obviously at a game, whether it's a baseball game, hockey game. Anytime I go to a game, I'm 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 in my area, my element. I mean, I since I was two years old, um, I tell everybody the story that I was a football fan, just from that moment on, from the crib on out. And then eventually I discovered this funny little game on ice. You know, my brother's black five-inch screen, black and white TV, watching a flyer. So the, the games were my happy place because I was the only place I could ever really relate. But the only other place I would say is certain not so much along the lines of Colorado, but anytime I can go to a park, especially on a day like today, um, when it's nice out, blue skies, the whole nine yards, uh, I work or I live actually not too far from Valley Forge National Park, which is kind of famous for no other reason because George Washington had his Continental Army there and yeah. did an encampment during the winter. And it's a pretty big park. I mean, it's pretty expansive. And I used to work not too far from there. And I'd go there during lunch or after work and just take a walk and look at all the deer that go walk around the park. Because my dad was a big big deer person. He used to go out and, and hunt and stuff. And every time I went there, I'd, I'd think about my dad. So anytime I'd go to a park and I look out onto the trees and I'd see these little brown heads popping up, see these de these deer bouncing around and stuff. Uh, I used to just think of my dad and stuff and think about how calm everything is. I mean, I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about my troubles. I'm not thinking about my bills. I'm thinking just about life and just enjoying how great it is. Because that's that's when you really have to enjoy life. Is when you're outside and realize that things are just a little bit bigger than yourself, and you know the things that you're really upset about really are smaller than you realize. Yeah, wow. and that that's that's truly why I like being outside. That's why I love being on top of mountains, and that's that's one of the explanations I give to people when they ask, you know, why do you climb the Colorado 14ers? Why do you like being on top? Why do you like being at fourteen thousand feet? I tell them because all of my problems are at least 
8,000 feet below me and they can't catch me up here. So it's just, it's a, it's a great way to just get away, clear your mind and just enjoy life. I, I love it. And you know, that that's fantastic. All right. So now that we got that portion out of the way, let, let's go back into some sports news. And I, I have to ask you guys, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. The World Cup started today. Anybody watching? Um, last I checked, um, Team USA is not playing, so I don't care. <laughs> Lou, are you watching? <laughs> no, I... Um, um, it, so, so here's here's my answer to, to that. Um, um, if it were a cricket match, I would be watching it. <laughs> I have... I discovered cricket a few years ago, and I just think it's... It's an absolutely terrific sport. I, I uh, soccer, football, European football holds no interest for me. <laughs> okay, that was a throwaway. Let, let's get back into what really counts. <laughs> that is some hockey news. <laughs> well, um, I do know. So, do, so do either of you know the two teams that are playing in the opening round in the opening match? Well, I, I'm going to cheat because I, I saw earlier okay. today that it was uh, Russia yeah. and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> But I was at work and it was on TV, so yeah, that's oh, how I know. There you go. There you go. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that's all I'm going to watch of the World Cup, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, anyways, let's go back into what really matters. Let's go into some hockey news. Uh, guys, we have a champion in the ACHL, and it is a team from here in the Centennial State, the Colorado Eagles, winning their second straight Kelly Cup. Uh, they won the series 4-3 to three over the Florida Everblades. Uh, they won it in Florida on visiting ice. Um, Lou, what, what's your impression about how the, the Eagles wrapped up their ECHL uh, career and uh, now getting ready to move on up? Um, you, you know, you said it. Uh, they were down 3-2, uh, heading from home uh, back to Estero to face the Everblades and those final two home games and uh, uh, final two road games and won both of them um, in, in competitive fashion. Um, but here's something that's a little um, bit of trivia. Uh, John Hall, uh, one of our two editors in the ECHL uh, for us, um, he posted uh, this past week that the ECHL now, the last four champions in the ECHL are uh, from the defunct Central Hockey League uh, um, uh, banner. Oh. So that was, <laughs> I thought that was really <laughs> interesting that the last four winners have been out of the old CHL. So uh, kudos to the, uh, you know, so that's the Allen Americans, I think, had won. Obviously, the Colorado Eagles, and to be honest, I can't remember the other two, but uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, and so. if, of course, it, while I was sitting in the press box for game six, uh, I had a guy from one of the local papers turn to me and he asked me, so what does ECHL stand for? Because it doesn't stand for East Coast Hockey League anymore. Right. So, well, technically, you're right. And I don't think they actually have it. I think it's just ECHL. Lou, do, do, you, do you know what, what does ECHL stand for anymore? Uh, nothing. It stands. Huh? It's, it is simply the... Um, they stopped using East Coast Hockey League um, four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, and and they just longer, went yeah. to ECHL. Uh, longer than that, Brian? Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably. so I think it, they just went to ECHL because it's, 
<laughs> Easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I remember they did that a few years ago, not long after the running Royals were in the league, and they changed their name to just the moniker, which is ECHL, um, because yeah. I think at that point they had merged with another league, I think. The CHL. Yeah, yeah, and so they just became bigger, and for whatever reason they decided, okay, you know what the heck with the name. We're not really yeah. the East Coast Hockey League anymore. We're really just the ECHL. Yeah, it's kind of hard to sell the East Coast Hockey League when you're in Tulsa. Right. <laughs> where, you got team, where you got teams out in Ottawa or Alaska or you're in California. Yeah, yeah. You can't call yourself the ECHL anymore. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Um, and you know what, listeners, if you have any suggestions on what ECHL should stand for, go ahead and tweet them to us at PHN underscore podcast. And uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, make the request, keep it tasteful because I'd yes. like to share these with anybody out there who's listening. Um, yeah. Let, let's get some creative names. Let's, let's pitch them to the league. See if they want to take up on that. Um, yeah. No, the, the, the final of that series was, was great. Um, the only, the only caveat to that series was uh, what is that game five where Colorado was shut out five, nothing. We had a couple of overtime games that happened in the series which is always exciting as a fan and it went the full seven games. I think this was a very pleasing championship series. Uh, not like what we saw in the NHL. Um, but you know, there was a whole lot of story behind that too. So I don't think fans were too disappointed in the NHL, but we will get to that later on in the podcast. So keeping in the minor leagues, let's move on over to the American hockey league. They do have, uh, something to go with that moniker, the AHL. And we have the Calder Cup being played this evening. We have the Texas Stars versus the Toronto Marlies. Uh, series is tied at three. One thing I have noticed about this series is that we do not have a team who wants to win two consecutive games, which is going to be a challenge for Texas. Um, they, they went back to Toronto for games uh, uh, for six and seven trailing three games to two, just like, um, just like the Eagles did, um, pulled out a 5-2 win in game six. And as you said, they're going to have to win two games in order to, they're going to have to break the, 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 um, the pattern of the uh, Calder Cup final and uh, win a, a second game in a row if they're going to take the Calder home. Yeah, and uh, look, I know a reminder back to our uh, past few podcasts, we talked about the Marlies. And so far, the until they got to the uh, Calder Cup final, we noticed that the only hiccup they had was against the Utica Comets in the first round, uh, losing two games, going the full five games in that first series. Because, of course, in the AHL, we do five, seven, seven, seven. So, um, but they swept the next two series, didn't seem to have a single problem with the Syracuse Crunch or the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And now they're seeing a little competition from the Texas Stars. Um, I think both these uh, parent teams are looking pretty closely at, at the talent that's being thrown into the championship um, and, and what could possibly come up into the, those clubs. You know, and Mitch Cooper, um, who's our beat writer uh, down in uh, Cedar Park uh, for, the, uh, for the Stars, you know, coming into this series, he, he was adamant in, in saying that, you know, the Stars were doing this with smoke and mirrors. He didn't know how they got to the final um, and now here it is. He's he's finishing his career with Pro Hockey News, you know, potentially with a Calder Cup champion coming back to Texas. Yeah. So, <laughs> I you know what? 
I'm not going to say I'm pulling for the Texas Stars, but I think it'd be kind of neat to see the the pattern being broken in the series yeah. and actually see somebody win two consecutive games. Because you know when it alternates like that, it's kind of like it's predetermined to to go to whoever won the first game. Right. So, right. <laughs> um, so that's what we have going on in the minor leagues. Um, let's. Let's go over to what's going on on the website, prohockeynews.com. If you haven't been there recently, check it out. We got some really interesting things going on. Mainly, we have our mock draft going on for the season. Um, We have uh, what the NHL draft is going on end of July? July? Next Friday. Oh, next Friday. Sorry. So we have, I'm way off. Uh, So we have (laughs) next Friday, we have the NHL draft. And here before the episode recorded, I tweeted out a photo that I'm actually doing research and I missed that. Um, So next Friday, we have the NHL draft going on. We have our entire staff, or at least the ones who volunteered to make their picks, uh, to do our own mock draft, kind of what we think is going to happen in the draft, what we can expect to see. And Brian, you've been heading this for years. I want to talk to you, see uh, where we're at right now with the mock draft. Well, we uh, to, go, to briefly touch up on when we started this, we did this uh, quite a few years ago uh, when I had first started, not a lot too long afterwards. Um, and one of the main reasons why I wanted to start it was not only just the fact that everybody does them anymore, um, they do very well in terms of getting hits for your websites, but if you think about it, at the time that we first started, we were primarily a minor league hockey publication. Well, the fact of the matter is the NHL draft affects the minor league. So it was really a natural thing for me to say, hey, look, we might want to do this and because it does affect the minors. There's a, even though a lot of the players that go in the first and second rounds, yeah, they'll go into the NHL, but the rest of those players, they don't make it that far. And it does really affect what happens, especially at the AHL and now the ECHL level, because in the AHL level, a lot of the players that are on those teams are prospects of those teams um, or their affiliates. Uh, the ECHL, not as much. You may get a sprinkling of a couple of players here and there. But overall, um, you know, it does affect the minor league. So I had kind of poked and prodded Lou to say, you know, we need to get in on this. And I'd wanted to do it for a while because I, I, I generally have followed the draft for a long time, it, mainly because I love the draft. I don't know what it is. Um, and it's not just for – I did that same thing for the uh, NFL and for the NBA, but mostly for the NHL because that is my, my favorite love of them all. And so I did a lot of studying for years, looking at the hockey news and other publications and scouting reports and try to be a little more educated on who is drafted. Because, look, I, I live in Pennsylvania. I don't get the opportunity to see these prospects like the scouts do. So over the years, I've gotten to know some of the scouts and people look at these guys on a more regular basis and get a really good feel for what they think and to see if it matches where all the publications are and try and get an overall feel. Because when you're looking at a mock draft, you're trying to predict who you think that team is going to take at that spot. Uh, we don't take trades into account. Some websites do. We don't do that. Um, in fact, I've noticed, I think it's Bleacher Report or something that does trades all the time. You can't predict a trade. But, the, the, you know, uh, where somebody is currently slotted out, you know where they're going to draft. So you pretty much have to, have to go straight through and assume until they make an announcement before the draft, so, so-and-so is going to pick there and there. So it's, it's pretty much a given until draft day. 
So we try, what I wanted to do differently than other websites was to do a website because we're in a content business and you, you try and provide content on a regular basis. And I knew, used to notice that a lot of people would not throw out their mock drafts until maybe like a week before time. Because to them, they figured as long as it's closer to draft time, that would be uh, easier for them to get noticed because that's when people are doing word searches on the internet. And they'll go looking for a mock draft, so therefore they'd be easier to find. Well, we started doing something different, which was we would start our mock draft roughly a month before the, the, the draft would start and do a pick per day. Because that way, every day you'd have to come back to our website and see who somebody would be picked. And at first it was a little difficult because we had mostly minor league people. They didn't know prospects. You know, they didn't know Adam from Adam or Adam from Kevin. I didn't know who these prospects were. So it was pretty much pretty much on my, my seat to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is who I think at this spot, who I think that team might want to be willing to take. And they asked our writers, who do you think they would take at that spot? And then people would give their opinions, and we do the mock draft that way. And, of course, every now and again, you get the, oh, I think we'll take, they'll take this guy, surely, this guy. But this guy ends up getting drafted in the third round. You know, because they think that, you know, every now and usually in every draft, you know, a team will take a flyer on a guy that you did not see coming. And people fall in the draft all the time. So really, it's it's a hodgepodge. I mean, anybody who can guess who's going to be taken in a mock draft, man, you're, you, you, you're next to God. Because <laughs> you've really got to have some inside information about who's going to take and where. So, but I, you know, if, if for no other reason, I thought it would be fun to not just do it myself, but to involve the staff to do it and see if, you know, what they'd like to do it. And eventually people got involved in it. And I think uh, everybody that does it enjoys doing it. So over the years that, that we've done this mock draft on prohockeynews.com, what have been the biggest challenges you've seen in trying to put this together and put out a comprehensive mock draft for uh, your readers? Well, for a while there, uh, with the exception of the hockey news, um, they usually put out their draft preview like about two weeks before the draft comes out. Well, if I'm starting a mock draft a month ahead of time, I don't know the prospects as well as I did a month ago as I do two weeks later. So knowing the draft picks a lot sooner, I, I mean, that's why I usually start getting involved a little bit more about who the prospects were. At the beginning of the year, I keep a watchful eye on it, but then – once the, the uh, central scouting comes out with their, their midseason rankings, where TSN usually does a pretty good job of it, I know Bob McKenzie does his midseason rankings all the time, and that's usually from that point on, I start following these prospects more more closely and get a better feel and see which players are rising, which ones are falling. You know, talk to scouts. What do you think? Well, this team might be doing what team needs that they have, because you have to consider one thing when you're looking at a draft. It's not just the play, the team, the, the current roster, the current NHL roster you have to be aware of, but what about the entire system? Are they, are they fairly weak at left wing as opposed to right wing? Do they need defensemen? Maybe they're pretty good at the NHL level, but maybe some of those players are becoming UFAs, unrestricted free agents, and now you got to consider, wait, that guy's going to be leaving in two years, and they have nobody in the system to replace him. So that becomes more of a priority once the draft you know, starts getting closer to the draft. So that's why you have to start thinking to yourself, okay, at this spot, I think the Buffalo Sabres are going to take a defenseman or something like that. So that's what you really kind of consider is 
not just the current roster and the NHL roster, you got to consider, okay, what about throughout the entire system? So you basically get a much better feel for every team throughout their entire organization, not just on the current rosters. Yeah, and th- this is my second year of, of doing the draft with you guys. Last year, I, I had the Colorado Avalanche again. And I got to say, last year, uh, the, uh, you know, picking for the Avalanche was much easier than this year because last year that they, they needed everything, but mostly they needed defense. So that was easy to pick. I, my, my pick was incorrect, but I knew what position and roughly, you know, what they needed. This year was a little bit more difficult. Um, I, I believe uh, we have the first 17 uh, picks up on the website. Is that right, Lou? That's right. Okay. So if you're curious on, on what the staff is talking about on ProHockeyNews.com and what we think the draft might shape out to be, uh, head over to ProHockeyNews.com, check out our mock draft. Um, if you're interested in, in my article at all, uh, number 16, Colorado Avalanche, that's up there. Uh, Lou, you've had a few picks. Um, what, what numbers have you taken on? Um, we have had uh, the Ducks. Actually, most of ours have not shown up yet. Um, well, you did Panthers, the Florida Panthers. Or uh, the that's right, Florida Panthers, um, uh, Anaheim Ducks, uh, Los Angeles Kings, and then I've got um, the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. You were right. gonna you were gonna do the Arizona Coyotes, but that got passed off to somebody else. Yeah, yeah. Um, 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 uh, Jeff Adams uh, uh, came on um, um, late um, because of uh, my oversight, but um, <clears throat> so. So, Brian, uh, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, has happened over the years, I mean, obviously, you know, we have we have scored well um, in some of the early drafts and then they they've gotten progressively, I think, a little bit more difficult. But, you know, you were talking about teams that need need players and uh, need positions filled, Um, you know, do you. you know, an awful lot of uh, the number one, number two picks are now slotted right into the NHL rosters uh, for the teams that they're going to they're they're going to. Um, uh, obviously, Connor McDavid, uh, Jack Eichel. I mean, these guys are are were slotted right into Edmonton and Buffalo. You know, coming out of the draft. Do you think that that has made it easier or more difficult in that that top ten selection process? In a way, it's made it easier because I know just from covering the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, Flyers, especially when they're, they're they're looking very high in the draft, they look for players that are closer to being NHL ready than they are somebody who's more of a project that'll take longer to become an NHL player. Um, yeah. Last year, they obviously didn't. It didn't take very. It didn't take a genius to realize they needed to take Nolan Patrick at number two. Um, and there was some concern because he was uh, he was still coming off an injury, and even though as talented as he was, whether or not he would still go straight in the NHL. But in a, what I've noticed, once the salary cap became more of an issue, and teams realized, wait a minute, we can't have an eight million dollar salary guy, you know, chewing up a roster spot. We got to start spitting out some of these these salaries. So getting kids quicker into the NHL lineup has become more of a priority just because of the salary cap. Now, what's helped the NHL general managers lately, especially since we started doing this, is that uh, the salary cap is constantly going up. You can compl- complain about Gary Bettman all you want, 
but now they're, they're, the players and the teams are making more money than they ever have. And so therefore, they, with the salary cap going up, they're, they're more willing to take their time with some kids where before they would rush them into the NHL. So I think right. that's really made a difference in how you view where you think somebody's going to take someone. But um, I think sooner than later, because you have to remember, there was a time when you weren't drafting kids this young, this age. They were draft they were drafted closer to what twenty years old, but now you're sure. drafting them at what seventeen, eighteen years old. And I don't know about you, but I remember when I was like at eighteen years old. I wasn't the same way I was <laughs> when I was twenty one and twenty two. You changed right. quite a bit in those years, not just you know physically, but mentally. Sure. You're just a different ball of wax, and your priorities yeah. have changed. So you're you're having to look at kids in a in a different light now. And I, I hear all the time, well, kids are more mature these days. No, they're not. They're still kids. Yeah. Yeah. They're just they're just raised differently and they're they're built to play to be athletes. And they're coached yep. a lot better, which is part of the thing too. A lot of these kids coming out today, the coaching has gotten so much better than it used to be. Before you would get a hot prospect, you throw them in the ice and say, Go ahead, kid, score me 30, 40 goals. I don't care what you do on the ice, but just do that and we'll win. But now you, you teach systems anymore, even at the uh, minor league level and, and at the junior level. Some te- it used to never be like that. But if you look at a team that plays a certain way and you're a team like the Flyers or the Rangers, you're sitting there going, wait a minute, that guy plays our style of, of game. Right. That might be somebody we might want to look at where before before you would have ever looked at a player that way. So right. play, playing a certain style definitely changes how you draft somebody. I don't know about you guys, but at age 34, I feel like I'm still, you know, 18, you know, minus the aches and pains of, you know, getting out of bed in the morning. Uh, You're definitely lying to yourself. You know that. (laughs) 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 Oh, um, yeah. I don't want to break the news to you, but you're definitely lying to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if any of you want to check out some of the, uh, the, the drafts, draft picks that we have on the website prohockeynews.com is where it's at um and as let's talk about something that we don't really take into account with the mock draft and that is uh trades and one that we're kind of eyeing here is the ottawa senators and their fourth overall pick as we remember about november there was a trade between the avalanche the uh the predators and the senators a three-way trade that ultimately sent Matt Deshane over to Ottawa and brought uh, uh, the fourth round pick or not the fourth round, but the first round pick to Colorado, but it is a conditional pick. So there is a chance that it, that fourth overall pick might go to Colorado. Um, You know, is this something that, that Brian, do you think that, you know, is, is possible or is even likely that Ottawa would give that up? Well, I know you and I talked a little bit before the podcast, and uh, I'm I'm a big believer. It's the old saying: you, you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. You, you, they already have the fourth pick in the draft. If they decide to wait a year and say, "Okay, Colorado, you're going to have this pick. We'll wait another year, and we'll we'll get we'll take a look at Jack uh, uh, Jack Hughes. Well, we're going to shoot for that Jack Hughes guy." Well, it's not a given. You may end up being doing a little bit better than you did before. Now you're talking, you're drafting a little low in the draft. Plus those ping pong balls, man, they have a mind of their own. <laughs> they don't they don't care what you're doing in the ice. You know, they go the way they go. And you look at a team like Colorado or Carolina this year, 
they weren't expected to draft, or Montreal for that matter, they weren't going to be picking uh, second or third overall, and yet that's the way the ping pong balls came out. Last year, New Jersey and Philadelphia, they didn't exactly, they weren't supposed to draft where they drafted, but they got lucky with the ping pong balls. So yeah. to me, if I'm the Ottawa Senators, I stay right where I'm at, take the fourth pick, but I sell a pick. I would say, look, because really, if you think about this, the way the draft is going to go that high, obviously, it's pretty—it's a 100% given, unless a, a miracle happens and like an asteroid hits the planet. I mean, Buffalo Sabres are going to take Rosmus Dahlin. That's a given. I mean, there's no, it's a sure bet. The way Edmonton was a sure bet to take Connor McDavid. That's what Dahlin is going to be to Buffalo. So now you're looking at number two, and you're looking at Carolina, which needs everything and everybody. I mean, they're practically going to have a fire sale right after the draft. That's how bad. In fact, the way I heard it, the only player that's really untouchable in Carolina right now is Sebastian Ajo. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how bad things are down there. Jeff Skinner's available. Uh, Justin Fox available. It, it can get really ugly pretty good. In fact, Scott Darling may go back to Chicago. That's how bad it's gotten. So they need everything and everybody, but one thing I'm pretty sure, and in fact the owner pretty much came out and said it the other day, is that their pick is pretty much going to be Andrea Svechnikov, the Russian player um, plays, I think, for the Barry Colts. So one and two is pretty much a done deal. Yeah. Number three is where things are going to get fun because then it's the Montreal Canadiens, and they need a center. The problem is where they're drafting, there are no centers that really are going to go that high. Um, in fact, you may, this may be such a weird draft that you may not even see a center taken in the top 10. It may be defensemen and it may be, uh, wingers, but you may not see a center till maybe nine, 10, you know, maybe we're or Chicago and the Rangers pick. So it, there's no center there. So Montreal sits there and goes, well, wait a minute. Okay. We could draft Brady Kachuk, who, who was obviously Keith Kachuk's son, but he's a winger. Maybe we can run into a center. We don't know. The rumors, even though I said in the mock draft, I thought the top three picks hands hands down would be uh, Philip Zadina along with Sveshnikov, Dahlin, and Kachuk. Well, now, rumors are kind of leaning that they think Montreal is going to take uh, Kachuk. That means Philip Zadina is open for business. Though, If you're the fourth pick in your Ottawa, and you know that you got to, you, you're pretty much going to trade Carlson. Do you say, okay, we got two golden tickets here. Which one do you want? And the fourth pick's got to be a part of the equation. We need NHL ready defensemen because we don't want to wait. And, you know, if we're going to trade a Carlson, we need somebody back who's currently playing or at least ready to play next year. Plus, I got a kid here that you know if you draft him, he's probably going to be one of your star goal scorers for years. I mean, Zadina is going to be one of those kind of a players. He's not generational, but he's going to be that kind of a player. So if you're Ottawa, what do you do? I I sell it. You know, I get as much as I can for everything I can. Because for teams like Philadelphia, who have multiple first-round picks, have arguably one of the better farm systems now of the group of prospects that they have, and you know you need, you, know, you need a winger, you need a scoring winger, which is what the Flyers lack, and you need an anchor for the blue line, maybe a team like Philadelphia says, okay, we'll go up half our farm and we'll take those two picks. Or what if you're the Rangers and you got three, three first-round picks and you say, well, you know, we wouldn't mind having that little crop as if the one thing the Rangers are not, it's patient. They, they, their, their, <laughs> their, their tickets are very expensive 
and they those fans demand a product, and they're they're not a very patient fan base when in terms of prospects. So you got to think in the back of your brain. Maybe if I'm the Rangers, maybe these three first round picks don't matter as much to me as they once did an hour ago. So yeah. I, if I'm Ottawa, I start making calls. Say, okay, who wants this sucker? And see what happens. And so um, sticking with Ottawa and slowly transitioning out of the the mock draft, uh, we we had a little bit of news coming out of Ottawa, especially the Senators organization, and and something that that I think kind of hits everybody. Um, but Brian, you were saying this one, this one hits you uh, a little close. Um, and that is rumors of uh, bullying coming out of that organization. Uh, Brian, what's going on in Ottawa? Well, this came out a couple days ago and this actually involves not players, but actually the players, wives and girlfriends. Um, Eric Carlson, his wife ended up getting a restraining order against the, I believe it's the fiance of Mike Hoffman. And apparently she did some very, I mean, we're talking like over a thousand texts and um, emails and stuff like that, that was against uh, Mrs. Carlson who lost a child. Well, I grew up being bullied. I was very small, uh, very introverted. And uh, I know it was like being one of the smallest kids in my class and as we all know, kids can be cruel. And, you know, up and through, up until the time that I was in high school, bullying was a big issue for me. And I got bullied quite a bit up until my senior year because bullies, if it's one thing they know how to do is be a bully. And until somebody stops the bully, the bully just isn't going to stop. Nobody's going to say to you, okay, it's enough out of you. So either a parent does it or an authority figure stops it. What's a little disturbing to me is that it's taken this long for it to be addressed is apparently I don't, it doesn't sound like the, the Ottawa senators organization is very, wasn't very up on this. This was just talk among, you know, the wives and girlfriends that, Hey, look, this was going on and this was getting pretty nasty. Well, that makes a couple of things. One, it makes, it makes virtually Mike Hoppen untradeable because nobody wants to take on his baggage because if you think about it, um, it says a little something about him if he's if either he, he didn't know what was going on or he didn't know what was going on and didn't do anything about it. That says a little something about his character and the, and the character of the person he's with. So for me, bullying, and I didn't even realize this because uh, I met, I know some people that I grew up with um, in elementary school, and then they, she told me some bullying stories about the same school that I went to. I didn't realize she was being bullied, but you know, today in today's world in social media and with cell phones and all this other garbage like Twitter and Facebook and all that. Oh no, no. I sit behind, I sit behind a phone or a desk and I put out stuff about people and we think there's no consequences because quote unquote, nobody's going to get to me. Nobody's going to come at me and beat me up or anything. So I'm going to be the bully. And it, it disgusts me to no end when I hear stuff like this, especially with somebody who lost a child. And that, that just irritates me to no end. And I hope I hope it's not true, but the way it sounds that it is. And it's look, the Ottawa centers have issues to begin with. I mean, long before this even came out, I mean, this was a franchise. I mean, it's, it's funny. It wasn't that long ago here. They were almost going to the, to the Stanley Cup Finals. And yet they look like a team that may not make the playoffs for the next few years. 
So they've got issues out the wazoo, including things with the ownership and what Daniel Offertson came out and talked about. But the bullying thing, that's a different ball of wax. And that, to me, is some that's a touchy subject for me. And I know what it's like to be bullied. And I know what it's like to be in those fist fights and have people tear you down and things like that. And it, it takes somebody with a little guts and a little common sense and just finally get up and say, you know what, enough's enough. We, we, I don't want to hear it anymore. There's no excuse for it. Uh, definitely um, not not great news coming out of that organization as far as what's going on off the ice. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of sad to say, but th- this is very common in, in today's society is, is cyberbullying, uh, something that uh, we hope is going to be addressed by, you know, higher authorities here shortly. Um, but yeah, well, you know, it sounds like the, the, that the police are actually involved now. It's gotten to that point. So, um, you know, somebody, something's going to happen out of it. Yeah. But the one thing that's definitely going to happen out of it is that, that Mike Kaufman is going to be looking for employment elsewhere, probably when this is all said and done. Um, you know, I mean, if he has a fiance right now, she may not be a, a fiance very long. Um, so I don't know how that's going to work out. So Mike, Mike may be playing overseas if he wants to continue his hockey career. Well, um, so let, let's transition a, a, away from, from that, you know, something that we kind of just, we felt we need to bring up, but let's go back and do a little bit more happier hockey news, uh, staying with the NHL and something we didn't actually get to touch on last week due to travel and staffing issues. Guys, Stanley cup was one last week. And I hear a team from Washington won it. Yes, they did. <laughs> About time. People, uh, people forget just how bad when the when the Washington Capitals began as an expansion team in the seventies, just how bad a franchise they really were. In fact, I do believe they have the record in the NHL as the wor- having the worst record in one season. I think they only won like eight games. That's their first all. Year it was something. I have to look it up, but it was something something ridiculous. Um, yeah. and, and one game was won uh, one game was won on the road. Yeah. That was it. Yeah, it was something horrendous like that. But uh, look, it all changed when they drafted Ovechkin. Um I mean we talked about the draft. I mean you wouldn't know, know how important the draft is. Well, there you go. And but it's not it wasn't just him. I mean it was guys like Kudetsov, uh Barahowski, uh John Carlson, you know, guys mostly homegrown guys. And again, going back to the importance of the draft. The only since in the salary cap era, only one team has had less players, less than half their roster made up of homegrown players, players that that team drafted, and that was the Anaheim Ducks. They had less than half their roster made up of guys that they originally drafted. Um, mm. But every team since then, like Tampa Bay and such, that, I mean, that was mostly a homegrown team. And Washington had at least what, two-thirds of their roster made up of drafted players. Uh, yep. The Pittsburgh Penguins have built their team to the draft. I mean, there's just so many different, you know, examples of teams that have done it. Chicago did that. Boston did that. So if you want to look for success, look for a team that knows how to draft and knows how to develop players. Go, going back to that worst record, that was the 1974-1975 Washington Capitals. They went 8-67-5. and five. That season, their home record was seven twenty-eight and five, and their road record one thirty-nine and zero. Um, their <laughs> goals for they scored one hundred and eighty-one goals that season, allowed four hundred and forty-six. 
Ouch. That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like what the Flyers did in the first round against the Penguins, letting up all those goals. <laughs> I mean, it, it, that was just, a, I, I remember that time because they came out, I believe, right around the time, I think in the same year or the year before when the Kansas City Scouts came out. And yeah. Kansas City then lasted, what, two years, I guess, two, three years. And then they became, correct me if I'm wrong, they became the Colorado Rockies, who eventually became the New Jersey Devils. Yep. That is, that is correct. So, um, yeah. So we, we have a, a team who has had a, a, a horrible history in the playoffs, at least recently, if not for the duration of their existence. Um, they finally get over the hump. They finally get past Pittsburgh. Uh, they, they make it past the Eastern Conference final against uh, Tampa Bay and uh, find themselves in the Stanley Cup against an expansion team that going in, everybody was looking favorable, including yours truly. I, I thought uh, at least Vegas was going to put up more of a fight. And I believe in, in one episode, we did do predictions on how far this, this was going to go, how many games the series was going to go, if there was going to be any overtime games, you know, who was going to win, who was going to get the, um, the, uh, the Conn Smythe trophy. And I believe, if I am not mistaken, uh, one of our staff members got all but the MVP correct. And that is, oh, I really hate to admit this, Adam Minnick picked Washington in five games. Uh, he did actually, sorry, he did not get the overtime games correct. He picked one overtime game, which we didn't see. Um, I, I, I successfully picked no overtime games, but you know, I was with Las Vegas in seven, but, um, Adam hats off to you. <laughs> you correctly picked the series and the winner. Um, I, I think actually I, something tells me he wanted to pick Ovechkin as the Smythe trophy winner, but everybody else who had picked Washington, everyone was, else did. <laughs> yeah. So he, I think he just went, you know, the, the whole, tri- you know, the, the pro hockey news, right. And be like, well, everybody else is doing it. I'm going to do something different. So, right. um, I, yeah. So kudos to you, Adam. Good job. Um, I'll get you next year. Uh, so at, as we, as we talk about the, the Capitals win their, their first ever Stanley cup, uh, let's look at the opposition, the, the, the team who won game one of the Stanley cup final, uh, and not much and nothing else. Um, the Vegas Golden Knights, fantastic story, inaugural season, uh, a team of, of misfits as they like to call themselves. Uh, where do they stand? Are they going to be able to compete? I'm not talking about making it to the cup final, but are they going to be able to compete next year and at least make the playoffs? Um, Brian, I want to get your thoughts on that. Where do you think the Knights stand after the season? Well, the one thing that you probably should take away from the, the whole Stanley Cup finals when you look at both teams, you start in that, and that's where Braden Holtby uh, and with Mark andre Fleury. If you, I know a lot of people in Philadelphia we were like up in arms because Vegas hadn't suffered the way they did. Their Flyers had suffered for years. Well, at the end of the day, it comes down to goaltending. And you look at Mark Andre Fleury, who's had success in the playoffs and won Stanley Cups. And you look at another guy. The, the, the real the reason why the Stanley Cup the, the the Capitals are Stanley Cup champs is because they took a flyer on a guy like Braden Holtby. Um, a few years ago, when that team was looking for a goalie, they hadn't had that situation settled in a while too. They're going through what the Flyers have been going through for forty some years. They needed a goalie. I mean, I remember Oleg Kosov, and after that, can you honestly even think of who actually really stole the number one job? 
And at the beginning of this playoffs, Holtby wasn't even a starter. It was Philip Grubauer. So, I mean, right. but at the end of the day, I thought that series changed when they were in Las Vegas in game two and Holtby put made a save the series. And that t- changed the total complexion. Because that, that game and that shot, I'm trying to remember who took the shot for Vegas. But Tuck. it was, it was the, yeah, it was took. Thank you. And that, how do you miss that net? How, how do you make that save? And Holtby just, it, I, I thought it was a tie game. And no, or, or I forget it was a game of goal. It was going to be a go ahead goal or not. Oh, it was so, going to be a tie and goal. Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. And uh, all I thought was if the Caps win this series, that's where they won it right there. They ch- totally changed things around. I mean, look, at the, uh, in the first series, <clears throat> you know, the Capitals had come back from a 2 0 series. I mean, the, the Columbus had won the first two games. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, the same thing's going to happen again. And when the Capitals were on their game, when they finally found their game in every series, that's when they t- t- took control of the series. They, they, once they picked things up, and because uh, that's not play the way he did, it's the old saying, your best players have to be your best players. And for Washington, their best players were, and in that series, Vegas – whose best players were great for the first three rounds, really didn't play as well in that final series. And at the end of the day, that's why the Capitals ended up winning the whole thing. Yeah, I think uh, through game, like up until game five, the only offensive production that Vegas really was having was off that fourth line. First three lines were were being shut out by uh, by Washington there. Um, so at... As we like to uh, to come to a close here on the Pro Hockey News podcast, uh, we like to go into our uh, a separate tradition, and that is the parting thoughts. This could be anything you want to talk about. This is, could be hockey-related. It doesn't have to be hockey-related. It can be sports-related. It could be just anything about your personal life that you just have a big gripe about. And to shake things up, I'm going to start with Lou Lafredo out in Albuquerque. Lou, what is your parting thought? I have been giving this thought for the last two weeks, and so mine is, um, I, you know, look, I, my entire uh, business uh, enterprise is built on uh, Microsoft. Uh, I am not a big fan of Apple. I love Windows 10. Uh, it has made my life incredibly easy, uh, except for one piece of, of the software. I, I, for the life of me, cannot keep the the my system from going into hibernation uh, for more uh, in, after two minutes my system shuts down if there's no uh, no activity on it um I, I have everything set within the within the system for two hours <laughs> it will not go past two minutes before shutting down i can be reading something and forget that i've uh, i haven't moved the cursor or something so now i have to keep a program running in the background just to to keep it active if there's a listener to the phn podcast drop me a note at uh at my twitter account at pro hockey news please <laughs> all right um Brian, do you have a parting thought this week? And also, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, um, yeah. first, real quick, Lou, if, if I knew something about PCs, I'd help you, but I can't, so there. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, same I, here. I'm Mac guy. I'm on an IBM system in our mid-range, and I work on these business systems for you yeah. know Wells Fargo and companies like that. So 
I can't help. I usually call help. Okay. That's help, help desk support. So that's what I do. Okay. Um, the my, my thoughts basically, like I said, he came when I, we talked a little earlier about the whole bullying thing. Um, look, life is short and, um, we're all on the same planet, you know, from watching the news, it didn't take long to see there were a pretty divided country, left, right, you know, blue, green, whatever we are now. And the, the sea thing, we all, we all got to get along here and it's not that hard to get along if you, if you make an effort. And when I see things like bullying, it really just sticks in my craw. That's why I'm so passionate about what had happened, what's happening up in Ottawa. And, you know, from, like I said, from going through it. So, you know, it, Take your t- take the time and just get to know people before you go, you know, criticizing them, because you at the end of the day you you actually would realize they're not that much different from you. Sound advice, sound advice. And Brian, where can people find you on social media? Um, on Twitter, I'm at uh, FlyersFan22, and I'm on Facebook as Brian Jennings, of course. Uh, I'm on no, I'm not on. I'm, well, if I'm on Instagram, I don't remember. Uh, I, I really try not to get on social media if I can avoid it, but yeah. I've been on Twitter lately more because of the publication and the mock draft. So usually yeah. I'm, I can be found there if I'm not on Facebook. Excellent. Uh, my parting thought, um, not exactly touching so much on Brian's issue, but it does have to do with treating people with respect and it has to do with weather forecasting. Uh, as you all know, I work at a, a news agency and, um, I take a lot of phone calls from people who are upset about the weather. And recently I took one where somebody was upset that our meteorologist had stated that there was going to be a, I believe it was a 60% chance of rain, but it was currently raining and they were upset because it was only 60% and they weren't prepared. Okay. Let, let me explain how percentages work. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a percentage that something can happen, it, it, it can happen. It, it's it's on the table. We're, we're not going to say, oh, there's a uh, you know a zero percent chance because you know zero percent, hundred percent, those don't really exist when you're talking about percentages. If if you see something that's sixty percent, eighty percent, that just means that they're more confident that something is going to happen. Even if you see ninety percent chance of precipitation, that doesn't mean it's going to rain. It means there's a high likelihood, but if it doesn't rain, that doesn't mean you're wrong. It just means that the least likely option happened. So let's let's please be kind to those weather people out there. They are doing a very tough job in trying to tell you exactly what's going to go on outside. It is hard to do. I understand that, and I you know I, I understand that people's frustration if it's not if it's drastically different than what they've been told. But please remember, it is just a forecast. It is playing the odds. So understand that even though you're told that it could rain, doesn't mean that it will. Uh, you can find me at Cote14er underscore PHN. Uh, you can find this podcast. Uh, you can tweet us at PHN underscore podcast. You can email us if you have any questions, comments, any gripes to, to me or anybody else on the staff. You can email us um, podcast at prohockeynews.com. Um, and please, if you get a chance, go to ProHockeyNews.com. Check out our mock draft. Uh, we put a lot of time and effort into those articles. Uh, you, you might learn something. You, you might keep your eye out for something come the draft next Friday, which I just learned. For Lou Lafredo out in Albuquerque and Brian Jennings up in Pennsylvania, I am Richard Cote saying I will see you next week.